Well, good morning, everybody. If you're new, welcome. Welcome to Radiant Central Coast. We are a group of people from different backgrounds who are, by the grace of God and the Spirit's help, just keeping our eyes on Jesus, amen? And we believe in the kingdom principle, we become like what we behold. Say that with me. We become what we behold. The direction you're looking in is the direction you're going. Turn to your neighbor and say, just go try it. When you go home, to run with your head looking that way and see how straight you can run. I've done it, and I am a goofball. And it don't work. And so really central to what we're about is to just lift up the person and work of Jesus. We just keep lifting him up in his word and in worship and in prayer and fellowship. And, um, and our, our underlying conviction is that we become like what we behold. And so we want to behold the beauty and wonder of Jesus. Amen. Um, I just have a... Uh, and so... That, that was Andrew. Uh, he's one of the pastors here who led that transition time. Pastor Raphael led us in worship. Thank you, Raphael. And uh, just for this, I see some new faces. And my name is Chad. And I'm just uh, honored to be able to open the, the scriptures for us this morning under the, the leadership and the lordship of Jesus. And so what I wanted to do today is a little bit different. Um, I had, and I have, and I probably will teach it in its entirety at some point over my lifetime. I had this full teaching through 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, and we're going to get there. I'll probably dabble in it, but by doing the work of preparing that message, the Lord really just began to open up my heart um, to challenge us with vision this morning. And I think vision that's on God's heart. How many believe that God is not um, that God has a will. Raise your hand if you believe God has a will, that God has a plan, that God has a purpose. We might even say God has a bit of an agenda. Amen? And so we want to lock into what he's thinking, what he's saying, what's on his mind and his heart, what is the agenda of God for the hour in which we live? How many believe the church always has to come to that place where we trade our plans for his plans, our vision for his vision, our wisdom for his wisdom? Come on, someone say amen. Our agenda, our will for his agenda and his will. And we are in what some might call a slightly complex time. But when I look back, at church history and those who've been faithful to carry the torch of the gospel through, through their generation, the church is really good at overcoming adversity and opposition and actually through adversity and opposition, rediscovering the simplicity and centrality of King Jesus for all of life. And so I'm anticipating as our own nation seems to, not seems to, but shakes and in many ways, many of the, it feels like crumbling and just chaos. I'm convinced that this is an opportunity for the people of God to emerge, not shaken, but built upon the unshakable reality of Jesus and his kingdom coming. Amen, 
And so what I, what I wanted to do is, is, is I wanted to share a few initiatives as I, as I and some of our, our team, as we look ahead into 2022, this is our first Sunday. And so I just wanted to cast a little bit of vision and this will be provided for you in, in, in our links. Um, and so here's kind of how I, I see, not, I'm not Moses. Everyone say, you're not Moses. You don't have a beard like Moses. I'm trying, people. For those of you who can't see it, you can come see me after the service. I'm trying. I gave my wife a kiss yesterday. And, you know, the jury's out on whether we keep going with this thing or not. I'm not drawing attention to my, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to loosen, loosen you up and have a little bit of fun. But, uh, and I totally lost where I was going. So, oh, I'm not Moses. <laughs> Do you hear me? There is only one mediator between God and humanity. That seat is taken and that role is filled. His name is Jesus. But in each spiritual community, God raises up men and women who he, who under the, the, the leadership and the submission to the Lordship of Jesus and submission to each other, by the way, all underneath the counsel and wisdom of God and the spirit of God. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? I'm not Moses, or was this clear? We, I, we answer, we answer. So I say all that to say, but God does give his leadership and wisdom for local communities to walk in his paths, amen? And so I want to humbly present what I sense and others that the Lord would have for us in 2022. Everyone ready? Say amen. amen. So I got to get going. That's the intro. Number one, um, this is not the start of a sermon series because I know some are still traveling. We'll probably start officially in the next week or two, but this is really important. Number one, I, I sense by the Lord... This is just, no jaws are going to drop. Praise God. Number one, one of the primary initiatives I want us and our teaching team and our leadership team to give ourselves to is to help establish solid biblical foundations of truth in the life of every person in this room and those watching online. Uh, one, of, one of the things I, I sense in our generation is solid biblical, we've been doing this for years and years and years, but I mean, with a laser-like bullseye focus, we want to establish foundations of the truth of God's word and the gospel of the kingdom in the hearts, minds, and lives of every single person. This, this I believe truth will be a, I, a central piece of warfare in an age of elasticity, the eraser, and cancel culture. Truth is not something we want to have an attitude of familiarity with or indifference to. It's something we want to grab a hold of and say, I want to build my life on unshakable principles and confessions and truths and realities that are anchored in the scriptures and the scriptures all point to a person, to King Jesus. And so, by, but, so we're, we're going to, in the next few weeks, and then over the next few months, we're going to be doing strategic series is on establishing these foundations of the faith in our lives. All in favor, say aye. So you can start reading ahead, Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6. But I want to frame this in Romans chapter 1. So just go with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Um, and I'm just going to make a few comments. I don't have a main text. I have a few texts 
But here's why I believe this is one of the primary things God wants us to give ourselves to in 2022. And I know every year, I'm not silly. I am silly, but I'm not unaware that God has always been about truth. In Romans chapter one, verse 18, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. And I want you to hear this word. Why are they godless and wicked? Because they suppress, say suppress. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What he's writing about is general revelation or general grace. How many believe, as C.S. Lewis says, is one of the greatest proofs of the existence of God is human conscience. There, we, we can't shake, even though we've tried to build a, a mental map and a, in a worldview framework that has no reverence or reference to God, you can't shake the God hole in your heart. Ah, that's what Romans is saying. God has, he, his invisible qualities are seen everywhere. And in our wickedness, we try to suppress that truth. And let's keep going. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave him thanks. And because of that, in their thinking, everyone say thinking, they became futile and foolish. Everyone say futile and foolish. And their hearts were darkened. So when we, when we refuse to love the truth of who God is, and when we worship him as creator, and we give him thanks as provider and creator, what happens is not neutrality. Oh, we just, you know, cruise on by. We actually become futile in our efforts to build a world without reverence for and reference to God. But also we become darkened and foolish. It's like trying to build a house in the dark. How many know you're going to hit your thumb with your hammer? It's not going to go well when you're trying to cut 22 inches and a quarter with no light. And this is what humans do. We trade the glory of God. We don't give him thanks. We become futile and foolish and darken in our understanding. All of this hinges around the reality of truth and its rejection. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like human beings and birds and animals and reptiles, idolatry. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies. And here's the one-liner and why we believe this is one of the primary objectives for 2022 for our church, and I believe the church. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. amen and I want you to see how this passage ends because this is the day in which we live. It just, without apology, it just is. The last verse, although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do them, but they approve of those who practice them. 
So I want you to see the sequence when we refuse to love truth and we exchange the truth of God for a lie. We don't worship God as God. We worship the gods of our own hands, of our own imaginations, even though they're now foolish and futile and darkened because we've exchanged the glory of God and the truth of God for a lie. Here's what happens. Here's how, how insidious wickedness is and non-truth building our lives apart from the scriptures. Now you're not just accepting and accommodating, you're now applauding and approving of others who building their lives on the same shaky foundations. How many would say, Chatty, that's the day in which we live? We're, we're applauding. We're not just saying, oh, that's neat to reject God and build your own worldview. We're now saying, if you don't accept the prevailing predominant cultural worldview that anything goes and it's all about you and you can be you and just leave everyone else alone, how many know that, that it, 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 it's, it's, it's such a, a, a real issue that that people, when you erase God out of the picture, when your life falls apart, you have nothing to fall on. And so we want to build this year, we want to help, help you in the grace of God and through the scriptures to build your life on the solid biblical foundation of God's kingdom and of God's truth. And here's, what's, here's the reality. Not only do individuals do this, everyone say individual, Whole entire cultures do this, and nations do this. Oh, that's kind of where we're at a little bit. Psalm chapter two, why do the nations conspire and why do the people rage and plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up. Look at this, or the presidents or the governors or whatever, emperors, empire, whatever your phrase. They rise up against the Lord and it is anointed. And they say, here's the collective voice of the nations that are refusing to acknowledge God as God. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Verse four, but the one in heaven laughs because he knows their end, amen? So we wanna build our lives. We wanna build the, not just our confession, but our practices and our lifestyle upon solid biblical foundations of God's word. All in favor, say aye. And the reality is I got this from Corey, Pastor Corey Jones, and he probably got it from uh, others or not. Here's the day in which we live. Basic belief in Genesis 1 through 3 will get you canceled. That there is a God that you're accountable to. Amen? That's number one, Genesis 1. Number two, that in the beginning God created humanity in his image, male and female. That's number two. That's the biggest message in our generation right now, probably, that's being tested from culture. And in number three, that in the beginning God made the male and female to be in eternal marriage covenant together. So we see in Genesis one through three alone, God's wisdom is blatantly being rejected in our generation. All in favor say aye. And, and, and the reality is if you erase the foundation and God's counsel and God's wisdom, you do not get the garden, you get Babel. You get the, you get the desert. You don't get the, 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 the safety and the flourishing that comes from building your life upon God's truth. Now, why does it matter that the church loves truth? Why is it such a big deal and why, as a, as a leader in a, in a local church, it's hard because so many churches, quote unquote, I use that very loosely, are now erasing parts of this. 
So this is where it gets tricky, or they just erase certain parts and say they were relevant for another day, but not for our day. And I want you to know, as a, a, as a spiritual leader in this community, every word of this is still relevant. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, listen, because of the enlightenment in the 1800s and, 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 and you know, all the critical theories of the 1700s and, and, and the Renaissance and all of these things historically, the 16, 17, 1800, 1900s, and then biblical criticism where we became the one over the text instead of the one under the text. We became the one who examined and, and tore its pages apart and letting, instead of letting it tear us apart. But I want you to know, as a leader, one of the leaders submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, every one of these words still carries weight for today. I'm not, I'm, way, I'm not smart enough to say, oh, no, I like this part of the Bible, but not this part. I like this part of God's character and conduct, but not this part. I don't come to the text as Lord. I come as student submitted to the Lord. And here's the reality. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says this, the church is the household of God. Did you know you're God's house? We house God together. We're his temple, his building, his field. But he says this, that, that one, of the, the, one of the key reasons the church is on the earth, one of the key reasons you didn't come to repentance and faith and then God zapped you like Enoch and just took you to be with him is because the church is supposed to play a specific role in culture. It is not to be relevant. It is not to be clever. It is not to be cool. It is not to try to compete with Hollywood or with whatever. Here's what it says in verse 15. The church is the one institution, the one living, breathing reality that has, is supposed to be the pillar and the foundation of God's truth in their generation and in their world. We have one thing. We're not going to bow to popular opinion. We're not going to, like, when we face Jesus, it's not... We use this, this, and this. No, Paul tells young Timothy, a church in a, in, a, in a very significant church in Ephesus in the first century, he's saying the reason how you live and why you live and what you are building your life on matters is because the church plays a role and it's to bear witness to the truth in their generation and in their world. And here's why this is so important. It's like almost like the Bible sort of is relevant for today. That was supposed to be a little bit of a joke. No one got it. And if you go on in verse one of chapter four in Timothy, the spirit, who says? The spirit says, in latter times, people will abandon the faith. They'll follow deceiving spirits taught by demons. Such te teachings will come from hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. So when we think about, Chad, this is like, Really? The truth really matters? Yes, it really matters. <laughs> God, the Bible says God is truth. What the Bible says is, so this is not just theories and doctrines and, and, and theology, although that's included. What we're talking about is not the rejection just of principles, but of a person. Amen. The person of truth, Jesus Christ and the spirit of truth. Paul tells Timothy, again, this is 2,000 years ago, folks. The time will come in 2 Timothy 4, same, same young pastor, when people will no longer put up with sound doctrine. Ugh. Look at what the Bible said. 2,000 years ago it said this. Instead, to suit their own desires. Whose desires? Their own. 
They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what they want their own itching ears to hear. This is 2,000 years old. They will turn their ears away. Look at the Bible says, away from the truth, and they'll turn aside to myths. If this applied to 2,000 years ago in modern-day Turkey, do you think it applies for our generation? They'll, they'll abandon the truth for a lie. And the thing that's so insidious about the lie of our current generation is you are, you are your own God. You're, your, you're the superstar of the story. All of it promises freedom, but the Bible says that you're either a slave to God, which actually leads to freedom and flourishing, or you're a slave to the enemy and your own desires and your own worldview and narrative. I love that, that quote from someone really smart. I, I, I wish I had the name in my, my head, but uh, Spurgeon, he said, I've never met a free man. <laughs> Meaning everyone is serving a master. Turn to your neighbor and say, every person is serving a master, whether the Lord or the enemy. You're either in the kingdom or you're not in the kingdom. So, come on, somebody say amen. You're either born again and a child of God or you're loved by God, but you're still a child of the enemy. And so what we wanna do, I mean seriously, we're gonna look at issues, we're gonna look at topics, hot topics, we're gonna look at the, the conversation of culture, but not just so that we can sort of dabble in how to talk to our neighbor or our whatever, but we want you to be able to build your life on a foundation that when everything hits the fan, you're standing unshaken with a heart on fire for the Lord. That's what, I, and I, I believe I will be judged based upon that criteria. I won't be judged on how big this is or how glitzy or glamoury, but will the people, Chatty, that I trusted you to love and to lead under my leadership, will they be able to stand when all hell breaks loose against them? Amen. And the Bible says, lastly, this is the first point. I'll, this is the longest point, by the way, so take a deep breath. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be in accordance with how the Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. Why do people perish? They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. It's in the word. Why do people perish? It's not because they're not smart enough. God has given, how many, raise your hand. God has given so many gifts to humanity, whether they acknowledge him as God or not. People are smart, talented, strong, and they have ingenuity. Their, their abilities are off the chart. We don't perish because of something God failed to give us or provide for us. We perish because we refuse to bend the heart and the knee and to love the truth that is revealed in Jesus. And he says this, for this reason, God sends a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie so that all will be contempt who have not believed the truth, but have instead delighted in wickedness. Friends, this is the day in which we live. And this isn't like a rah, rah, you know, I'm sorry. Maybe this isn't the word you wanted to hear, but this is the best thing I can tell you as you think about 2022 Chatty, is my life built on the unshakable truths of God's word or is it not? How many would say, man, that's a fair question to ask, not just at the beginning of the year, but all year. What is my life built on? What is the vision? What is the guiding principle? What are the practices? What are those things that, 
those rhythms of my life, what is it all aiming at? What am I pointing to? And I want to suggest humbly but firmly, friends, this year is about getting the foundation right. The foundation of Christ, of his cross, of his kingdom, and of his word. And so that's objective number one. We're going to do that not just by giving you a bunch of sermons or teachings. We're going to do that by discovering it together. Bible open, pen ready, Holy Spirit come, be our teacher who guides us into all truth. Amen? How many are so thankful? The Bible says that if you're in Christ, you already now have a bent to want to know the truth. The Bible says that the spirit he calls to live in you envies and longs for the things of God. The Holy Spirit that you received if you're born again is like an anointing of favor and blessing upon your head and upon your life. And that spirit teaches you all things. Amen. And that spirit, John 17, 17, is the spirit of truth through 20. So if you're a believer, what I'm saying to you, it may make your palms a little sweaty because it's like, Chad, this is the first Sunday of the year. Just be happy. I am very happy for the record. But if you're in the kingdom, you're like, oh my goodness, I know he's right. The truth really is under assault. And I've got to know it, not just with my head, but I've got to love it with my heart so that it becomes this witness that I actually have to offer the world that there's something else than the the current narrative that you can build your life on and it actually won't fall apart when it gets hard. Amen. Amen. Does anyone just bear witness to that? The importance of building our life on the truth of God's word and the truth of God's love and the truth of God's son, Jesus Christ. So over these next few weeks, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go, as it were, sort of line upon line, these key passages that are foundational passages together. How many are excited to get equipped and trained? How many aren't excited? Don't clap your hands. You can clap your hands if you want, it's okay. Jesus said that he, the Holy Spirit through his servant David said that God desires truth in the inmost place. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of Bible know-it-alls who know how to beat people up with a book. He wants us to be so transformed by the truth of who he is that who we are in the world does nothing but bear witness to his goodness, his grace, and his glory. Does that mean everyone will accept you? No. Does that mean people will mistreat you or misunderstand you because of your confession or your claims that this is the truth that trumps all truths? Yes, you will. Jesus told us it. But what's the alternative? to live your life as a chameleon, changing the color of your skin based upon the audience you're surrounded by? How many have lived that life and how did it go for you? It's terrible, it's gutting, it's, no, worse, it's exhausting to change what I believe and how I act and what I think based upon who I'm surrounded by. That's why he wants truth to transform us at the deepest place, why? So that we can be the same person Monday through Friday as we are on Sunday. At night, when no one's around with the TV on, as we are in the early morning meeting at Starbucks Coffee or wherever you get coffee. And the only thing that will help and enable us to become those people who are the same 
is by the truth of God's love and God's word transforming every part of us until it all looks like him. The truth of God's word. Are we clear on that? The importance of building a solid biblical foundation of the gospel and of the kingdom as the cornerstone, as the pinnacle of our lives. We are living in a day, and I, someone told me a vision. I don't, I don't know if I received this vision. <laughs> that was supposed to be sort of funny, but... Um, the other day, and I'm not speaking this in any sort of prophetic way, but someone said, Chad, when you were, this was about six months ago, someone came up to me after the service, so they're like, it was so weird. You can weigh it. I'm still weighing it, okay? But he's like, as you were preaching, he didn't, he didn't say he saw like a vision or open heaven, but he just said, for a second, the Lord, he just had an impression in his heart that, man, Chad, that you're preaching the word, just, it, it, he actually saw like authorities coming and taking because you actually believe the truth of this, the authorities, that it was no longer legal to teach. And I'm like, dude, thanks for the encouragement, bro. Next. <laughs> He's like, but as you were teaching, I saw someone come and you were literally taken. And again, I don't have fear about that. I just know that the enemy is not pass A about the truth claims of the gospel in our generation. Our kids' lives are at stake. Okay, I'm not gonna start preaching, but Point number one is so significant. We've got to know whom we believe in and why we believe in him. And you already know all of that. I know you know that with your head, but so many of us, if we're honest, we, we are just getting our tails handed to us because of all the different things we're hearing in our generation. And I want us to stand in this hour and be solid and to be confident, not arrogant. How many know there's a difference between arrogance and confidence? But the Bible says we can be confident because we know the one we're building our lives on is sure and true and unshakable. Amen. Say amen so I can move on. Number two, I remember actually one of my professors, I won't name, I was, I was actually really enraged. I'll say that on record. He, he was, I don't know, know where he was coming from, but he was basically sort of saying because of modern technology and science that um, uh, humans are basically, they just, they're a stick with a brain on it. Because of all the things we see how the brain plays like into every function. And, and, and I know what he was saying, but he, he, the worldview he was presenting cut out all of the supernatural. That we're just, we're just sticks with brains on. I remember just like, I'm paying for this. This is ridiculous. I like wanted to, I was actually very angry. Not because I don't know how to discern truth from untruth, but I'm like, what is he talking about? So, objective number two. Everyone say objective number two. That was a setup story. We want to build not just a bunch of people of sticks with brains. We want to build morning, noon, and night rhythms of shared worship with the word and prayer because we don't just love God with our heads. We love him with our hearts. So in as much as this year is going to be about establishing strong, unshakable, biblical foundations, we also want to continue to beef up our altar and prayer and worship ministry because God didn't just want to change the way you think. He wants to change you from the inside out. And he does that through your thinking, but he also wants you to know his heart, his emotions, his passion for his eternal bride and spouse that he's coming back for. 
And so we want to continue to agree with Jesus that when he said it, when he cleared the temple of all of its ruckus and all of its compromise, what did he say in all of the gospels? My house is a house of prayer. Prayer. Why prayer? Prayer, I love it. And, though, and I, I love, I, is it Luther? It's someone. Darn it. The one who sings prays twice. So it's not just prayer. It's not just prayer lists, although prayer lists matter. It's interacting with a person on the other end of the line. Prayer is the only thing in the Bible. Check me on it. Go ahead and do your research later today or later, you know, Google it. You can even cheat. You don't have to even, you know, just Google. Is Chad right? Is it the only, okay, whatever. Prayer is the only thing in the Bible that we're told to do for all people, always, and in every circumstance. And, and without ceasing. That's the, another translation of always. First Timothy 2 says to pray and petition and intercede and thanksgiving be made for all people. First Thessalonians 5 says to rejoice when you feel like it. Wait, no, 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 no. Always pray without ceasing to give thanks in the circumstances that are good and that go your way and all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And many of us, myself included in a big way, as I was praying and hanging out all week with my family, just like, hey God, new year, what are you calling us into? Blah, 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 blah. I pretty much love 1 Thessalonians 5 because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is your will, God? Ready? Rejoice always. How often? Help me out, I'm almost done. How often? Always. Pray continually. When? Without ceasing, I never stop. He always wants to be in dialogue and friendship and communion. He always wants me to thank his thoughts and to receive his thoughts, to turn my heart towards him and to realize, oh my goodness, his heart's aiming at me. This is cool. To respond, I love, one of the phrases I have for prayer that the Lord gave me a few, few months ago is, is to respond to God's initiative and his, his reach for relationship. That's prayer. He wants a relationship, beloved. Turn to your neighbor and say, he wants you. He loves you. Amen. Prayer is our response to his relational reach. I don't pray to get God involved in my life. Come on. I pray. I turn my heart to realize he's already deeply involved. He's got a will, a purpose, and wisdom for what I'm facing, and he'll save me if I'll trust him. So, so number two, again, Chad, we, you always teach the Bible. I know that was, that was point number one, but we want to go deeper, wider, and more purposed. Foundational truth. Everyone say truth. Number two, Chatty, but we already have three altars and we have a prayer room. Yeah, you're right. We're going further in. Everyone say we're going further in. So we don't just love God with our heads. We love him with our hearts. And yes, you pray with your mind too, but you know what I'm saying. Prayer is the unique prayer with the worship and the word, that three-corded strand that makes prayer actually enjoyable. In all circumstances, for all people, without ceasing, prayer. And every time you see prayer mentioned, you'll see right before it or during it or after it is thanksgiving or praise. How many know prayer is not just telling God things he already knows. Prayer is principally about enjoying the fellowship of a person.
You have to hear that. It's not just me telling God things that he already actually knows. Even though he says, tell me all your requests. At its heart, at its core, I enjoy a person. And as I enjoy that person, he begins to minister and transform those areas that need touch of his grace in my life and in the lives of those I love. This is why most of us think prayer is boring and so we don't do it. But if prayer is about the enjoyment of a person and his beautiful presence and his word, as I enjoy him, man, then he's like, what's on your heart? Well, he, well now you're on my heart because I'm enjoying that you enjoy me. And he's like, well, tell me anyway because I love you. I never tell my kids, don't tell me that you love me. I already know you love me. I never tell my kids, don't tell me thank you when I make you lunch. I always receive because that's a part of what it is to be a father and a dad, to let your kids express their little hearts, their little whatever, sometimes hearts. God, infinitely more, prayer is primarily, primarily, everyone say primarily, I want you to get this, enjoying and relating to a person. And as we give ourselves to that with worship, with the word of prayer, we then, out of that exchange, What's on your heart? What's your request? What do you need? What are those burdens? How many have experienced that shift in their own life where prayer is not just about me telling God things, it's about enjoying God, knowing God. We're gonna teach you how to do that. Chad, I'm not good at that. Well, neither am I, but I'm learning. Come to the altar. We're starting tomorrow at noon. See you there. Number three, I'm almost done, for real. Pillar number one, and all these, by the way, we'll be doing not just for like 20 weeks, let's do truth, and then we are all so exhausted from this mental, no, all of these are going to be related. Everyone say, yippee. They're all gonna be related and pouring into each other. Truth and foundations, worship with the word and prayer, enjoying God's presence, learning how to have a conversation and to hear his voice and to relate to him as a friend, as a son or a daughter, as a partner in the kingdom. And then number three, we want to grow this year in experiencing the fullness of life in the power and purity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many believe we're not just going to need to the, the empty truth claims of sort of, you know, doctrinal truths. We need the power of God released through the truth of his word and through the truth that his people are living in. How many believe if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8, the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, it is, it is not Father, Son, Holy Scriptures, and I love the Bible. It is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, and many of us are afraid of the Spirit and because we were taught things or we've taught a version of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know this year, we are going to specifically look at the Scriptures and what the Scriptures bear witness to as it pertains to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know we are going to go after all that God has made available for His church in the power and the purity of the Spirit. So we're gonna do a Holy Spirit series, maybe a conference in the, in the spring or the fall. I, we have, I haven't decided or we haven't decided, but I'm convinced we have to grow in our, not just understanding, come on someone, in our experience and in our expression of the person and work of the Spirit. How many are so thankful that before Jesus sent them to do any ministry or mission, oh, by the way, before Jesus began his ministry, hello, 
He waited until he was empowered with the Spirit from on high. If Jesus would not in his pride and presumption start his ministry without being clothed, how dare we think that we are sufficient to carry out God's plans and purposes without the power and person of the Holy Spirit on our life? We need the Holy Spirit. For witness, everyone say for witness. For purity, everyone say purity. You can't be holy without the Holy Spirit. I know, that's really deep. But it's in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through, through, through 8, he goes, the one who rejects the call to holiness doesn't reject the preacher or the Bible. They're rejecting the Holy Spirit, the one who wants to make us like him. The Holy Spirit. But there's more, saints. There's purity. For, there's power for witness, but there's also the gifts and the fruits that are activated and growing in the life of the believer. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. So, pillar number one, what was it? Come on, just tell me you remember the truth, the foundation of truth. What was number two? Prayer, worship, the, the altar. We'll just call it the altar for shorthand, but my house shall be a house of prayer, praise, the word, the spirit, the truth, relationship, that place where we learn to enjoy God and be enjoyed by God. Did you know that God actually enjoys you? Wait, let that just stop for a second, that God delights in you? That when he looks at you, he's not smug or indifferent or snippy or short. He's a father who loves the work that his son is doing in you as you yield to his spirit and as you abide and give yourself to his truth. And then number three, we wanna go after our, not just understanding, but our experience of the power and the purity of the Holy Spirit. How many think that there's more to the life in the spirit than you're currently experiencing? I guarantee you it is true or he wouldn't have told us to be filled in the present continuous with the spirit unless it was presently available. There's more. Turn to your neighbor and say there's more. There is more. We believe because we believe the whole Bible that all of the gifts are for today and all of the fruits are for today. I don't get to tell the dove, I like that wing, but not that wing. My dad has a great, great message that a lot of traditions like the gift wing. They don't so much like the character of, you know, the, the fruits. And some are like, we don't really like the gifts because they're a little bit unmanageable, a little bit weird. People can manipulate them. Yes, yes, yes. True, true, true. But then they just have a wing that just has all talk, but no power. A lot of power and outward glitz, but no guts, no substance. How many want to be a church that flies and soars in the fullness of God's spirit? Eh, you know what I'm saying. Chad, why a dove? The dove was representative of the spirit on Jesus' baptism. You're like, why a dove? That's why a dove. Can I move on? And I think this is the last one. Oh, yes, last one. I just have four. Okay, because you, you need a four. Where's a chair? Where's something that has four legs? The chair you're sitting on has four legs. Give me a break. We want you to sit on a real cozy kingdom chair this year. I'm kidding. Number one, building foundations of truth. Number two, growing our altar, not just as a church, but as personally and corporately. 
prayer and worship in the word. I'm gonna call it the altar just for shorthand. That's what we call it. Number three, the, the power and presence of the spirit, the gifts and the fruits. And then number four, we wanna to continue to help establish little kingdom communities all over the central coast. The best way any or all of this works is if you're doing it, not just in a pulpit and a pew scenario, but with a few others around tables. Or at coffee, it's not a rule, but whatever, in your homes, at coffee shops, wherever you're meeting, where you're doing all of this stuff with a few others who know you and still love you. You know what I mean by that? Who know you, but still love you. Come on, every married couple should be elbowing their spouse and everyone, you know what I'm saying. That even though they see your, maybe not elbow, but even though they see your warts and your wrinkles, even though they know that the areas that definitely need more of the grace of God, they still love you and they call you by your name. They don't shame you for the progress that you're yet to make. They call out your destiny in the hope that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Someone say amen. We need to be in communities that are spurring one another on towards love and towards good deeds. And I believe that yes, we may be in a culture that not just devalues truth, rejects the truth. We may be in a culture that says there is no God, your God, all there is is this life so the Prayer, Who, why are we calling on an invisible God? We may be in a generation that's like, Spirit, I don't need any extra help. I am powerful. I am God. That all may be true, but I believe that a community that actually believes and then practices all of this stuff will be one of the primary instruments in God's hand to transform a broken world. A community that doesn't just believe it, but practices it, doesn't just confess it, but lives it in the grace of God, will be a billboard of, yes, some will be confused, some will mock, some will laugh, but some are gonna say, I want what you're serving around that table. I want what you have. It's Jesus. It's the gospel, it's the kingdom, he's yours. I didn't choose him, he chose me. So probably chose you too, come on in. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And I just feel like there's four principal things that we're meant to do in these little kingdom communities. We already have a few communities that are, that are, that are currently operating. We'll officially launch some here in the next few weeks for our new, um, what is it? Is this winter? It's winter. Winter season into spring. There's four things I, I, I believe we're supposed to be doing or experiencing at these communities. Number one, we break bread and we all said amen. amen. How many are so thankful for the, the, the table that we're all invited to sit at with a name at, everyone's got a name at a table. Around a meal, there's laughter, there's welcome, there's stories, there's generosity, hospitality, there's a general humility. All are welcome, all have a place, all are important. How many are thankful that God has given us the bread from heaven, that he has, he has done the ultimate breaking of bread and the sending of his son, that his son Jesus left his glorious throne and he came to us so that we could feast at his table. We could drink from the cup in his hand. We could eat the living bread that is the very life that he gave to give us life. So around these kingdom communities, we break bread. Everybody say, break bread. 
But number two, we don't just break bread and, and have a space and a place for people to experience God's love and mercy and welcome and hospitality and storytelling and, and generosity. But as we break bread, we then say, objective number two, we want to build each other up. Come on, everyone say, build each other up. Most of us, if we're honest, in our nine to five, in our job, in, in our world, we feel pretty beaten up. Am I the only one? You just, I mean, even your own conscience can beat you up. Am I the only one? Not because you, you get what I'm saying. Most people basically are at the threshold of discouragement, discouragement or despair or depression, the three-quarter strand. How many believe God wants his people encouraged, empowered, and equipped to not just get through life's challenges, but to rejoice in and through them? And so we need to build each other up. Everyone say, build each other up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. We urge you, we urge you, to warn those who are idle, brothers and sisters, who are disruptive, encourage, look at this, the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. We all said amen. amen. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do good for others and for everyone else. So around these community groups, we want to break bread. We want to build each other up. Number three, it starts with a B. Last page, baby. We want to bind each other up. Everyone say bind up. Bind Chad, what's the difference? Build up, I'm trying to strengthen and encourage. Bind up means that, that Jesus said his, one of his primary ministries was to bind up the brokenhearted. And I want you to know, in, in a pandemic-like season, there are many people who've got broken hearts, broken minds, broken, broken can, can you just say amen? I'm not articulating it well. So one of the main ministries we wanna give ourselves is to bind each other up in the love of God. To build each other up, here's how I see it. The table, we break bread, we build up, we bind up. We build up and we bind up. And then what do we do? We bless, everyone say bless. We wanna bless each other to go be the people of God in the world. Break bread, build up, bind up, and bless. Say it with me. Break bread, build up, bind up, and bless. We bless each other to go and to be the people of God in our nine to five, in our workplace, and in our world. Will this come easy? No. Will everyone make it to the end of the year? Gosh, I sure hope so. But I'm hopeful, friends, and I am very, very focused that these four things we're not going to get from A to Z in all of them. Everyone say amen. amen. But we're gonna give ourselves to these four initiatives this year for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Number one, foundation and pillar of truth. Number two, the altar, worship with the word and prayer. Number three, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And then number four, we wanna to continue to encourage and empower people to participate in these kingdom communities. Can you at least give me a thumbs up if those four things are somewhat clear? How many would say they're worth going after this year? I'm gonna end with this. Yes, really. The, stop laughing at me. 
You can laugh at me. I don't care. I thought I did pretty good. That was five sermons in one sermon. Give me a break. <laughs> I barely made it. It wasn't even a sermon. I'm like, we're done. This is great. I could have, that could have been way longer, I promise you. In the grace of God, he is worthy of all praise and honor. I'm hungry. Here we go. Here's what I'm hopeful of. About four years ago, I was sitting in that room up there. We call it our prayer room. Altar room is back here, choir room, prayer room. I know it might be confusing, but I love that room up there. I love that room up there. It's so awesome. When our offices are open, go up there and use it. That's a shameless plug to just be with Jesus. But I remember sitting up there about four years ago and the Lord said, Chad, I want you to become an Antioch. I'm like, I knew my Bible. I knew where Antioch was referenced in Acts chapter 11 and then help me out, Acts chapter 14. And it's mentioned throughout at the back end of Acts. It was this place where ordinary people were trained and equipped to do extraordinary things for God. That was a great one-liner. That was Antioch. It was the place where everyone came to play and participate. Not a select few, but every person was equipped, empowered, mobilized, and sent to be the people of God in their generation. And the Lord, I remember I, remember I had a meeting. I remember Andrew was up there, a few others. I'm like, guys, oh my goodness, God wants us to become an Antioch. Not just a place people come and stay and then just stay stuck and are one-year-old Christians 40 years in a row. Not a one-year Christian 40 years in a row, but who get equipped and empowered to reach their full redemptive potential in the kingdom of God. And I remember the Lord like, Antioch, Antioch, Antioch. And here's what I love. And here's what I want. Here's, I want this to be an Antioch year. Everyone say that with me. This is going to be an Antioch year. One more time. This is going to be an Antioch year. And here's what I'm going to read the passage and then send you out. Okay? And then I'll sit, email you this literally this afternoon. Everyone can have it. And you can just do what you want with it. Now, those who've been scattered in Acts chapter 11... By persecution broke out when Stephen was killed. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, come on, someone say, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and they began to speak to Greeks also, <gasps> telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Yippee. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. How many want to see that this year? News of this reached the church, the mama, the mama church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. This is all so good, but here's what I want to end, end with. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Paul. This isn't Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, say that with me. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And why do I want this to be an Antioch year? And why do I think the four things I mentioned are really good four things to give ourselves to become an Antioch? I want this year to be our most strategic year together. All in favor, say amen. I don't want to dabble in this and dabble in that. I want us to become an Antioch where people mistake us for little Jesuses. 
Chad, that sounds weird and sacrilegious. It's not. That's literally what Christian meant, was little Christs. And here's what's amazing. In our generation, anyone who prays an invisible prayer, no one looking, no accountability, no teaching or training, we call them Christians. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, you, you, that, that's a little, I know what you mean. Amen. I know what you mean. I fully know what you mean. Whereas it was the disciples who were trained, equipped, empowered to believe, to love, and to walk with Jesus. They were the ones who were mistaken for little Christ's. How many want to see just a little bit of a pendulum swing that we would give ourselves to being trained, equipped, empowered in the grace of God so that our life, not just our words, but our life and our words begin to bear witness to Jesus and his glory. And that's why I want this year, I end with that, I want this to be our Antioch year. Are we going to nail it? I don't know. I, I don't know what this year is going to be. Come on, let's be honest. Turn to your neighbor and say, be honest. But I do know it's time to become what God has been putting in our hearts for years. And I love, I, love that for an, I love that he said for an entire year, they trained, they equipped, they had a purpose, they had a plan. And from this little group, kind of like, probably like us a little, this little movement touched the entire known world. Sending missionaries. And I don't think it's an accident Right next door, Hancock. It's my, it's my favorite. Uh, we should just steal it as our mission statement. Their mission statement, someone help me. Start here, go anywhere. Say it with me. Start here, go anywhere. What if anyone who came to Radiant would say, and I don't want anyone to leave. I mean, you know, I want you to be sent. Praise God. I'm not saying leave, okay, for the record. But what if every one of us took seriously these four things, the truth, prayer, and his presence, power of the spirit and the participation in, the, in a community, discipleship. What if we really adopted these things with strategy and structure and purpose of heart this year that literally God could call our number and send us any, anywhere in 2023 and we'd be ready in the grace of God? Oh my goodness, would that be different than this year? Maybe. Right? What if after this year, we look at each other and we're not gonna be perfect, we're not gonna arrive. Come on, Paul said I haven't arrived. Everyone say, it. it's not about arrival, it's about purpose of heart to be equipped, trained, and empowered for God to be able to tap any of us and say, I need you here. Amen. I need you there. Amen, how many wanna be tappable? And by the way, put your hand on your pulse. If you have a pulse, you're tappable. You're a candidate to be equipped and empowered for the glory of God and for your own good. Yes. It's the Antioch year, stand on your feet. I know it's like fear and trembling, I'm not asking for an applause, but has it at least been clear of where we're in the grace of God headed this year? Yes. Say amen, if that part, at least that part has been somewhat clear. The how-tos are coming. But what I want you to do right now is just put your hands out in front of you like this. And just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you don't have to say this out loud, just in your own heart. Will you prepare me for what you have for our spiritual community? I know all of us are individuals, I know that. But how many believe that individualism has almost derailed and wrecked the Western church? We need a vision together. That doesn't mean there's not unique gifts and passions. Please don't mishear me. But what is God calling us 
to go after? Who is God calling us to become? Who is God leading us to love and to reach out to? How is God calling us to grow in the fullness of his power and his spirit? Lord, I pray right now for this vision, this Antioch vision <laughs> that I didn't even get to talk about, but we, it's gonna make us hungry for next week and tomorrow. Lord, would you set these four things as pillars in the year 2022? Can you just pray that with me? I can't do it. I'm way not smart enough or consistent or good enough. But look, can we just say, Lord, set these four pillars in our house. Set these four pillars in our lives, in our faith, in our practice. Your truth, your, the, the presence and power of the Spirit, prayer and community. And as we do all of those things, it's for the sake of your mission going forth in the world that those that are far from you would find themselves in your loving arms through repentance and faith. And so God, I pray you would just mark us right now. And just right now, as he plays, if you feel specific and the rest of you can be dismissed, but if you say, Chatty, I really sense the call. I wanna participate in these four things this year. I wanna give myself to God's vision. Will you just come forward? I want to stand with you. I'm not over you. I'm beside you. Can we just stand together just by way of confession that these four things, maybe one sticks out more than other, but we want to just stand as an assembly of the righteous in the, in the righteousness of Christ. You say, Chatty, I want to do it. I want to go after this with you and with Jesus at the center, the grace of God. Just, let's just offer ourselves to him. Just use your own word. Just say, Lord, I offer. The Bible says we're like living stones being built together, become a spiritual a house for the spirit. And just offer God your stone. You're, you're a living stone. You, you are a part of this building. You're a part of this family. You're a part of this, the, what God is doing in this very moment, in this very hour, in this very season. And just, just begin to offer yourself to the Holy Spirit. God, use me, fill me, however you see fit. That's my prayer. Any role, any responsibility, I'll do it. I don't want to do what you're doing, Father. I want to do what you're doing, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we want to follow you. Just right now, just begin to offer. Just say, Lord, I offer myself in this house to Jesus, to his plans and his purposes. And I love the story of Gideon. You may be like, Chatty, those are, I can't do all of it. Well, praise God. That's all of our confession. Amen. Come on, amen. amen. We need the grace of God. We need the power of God. We need the help from heaven. But how many know today by lifted hands, there is help available. Come on. There is hope. There is power. There is, there is grace available for those who would set their heart to follow Jesus to go after becoming an Antioch this year. So Holy Spirit, come upon us. It's like we're at the, the, you know, the Jordan River. I don't know. <laughs> Lord, I praise you for going before us and making a way. Can you just begin to praise him? Thank you that you've made a way this year for us to conquer, for us to grow and to go on to maturity. In the name of Jesus, you've made a way, God. You are making a way, God. 
just say, Lord, just tell them, Lord, I receive the invitation to grow up into the fullness of Jesus this year and the years ahead. And I, I, I remember that story of Gideon, 30,000 too many. What, what was the next one again? I forgot. 10,000 too many, whatever it was. 3,000 too many. 300, perfect. Right? 300 versus 160 or 80,000. How many know it's not by few or by many? It's only by the Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Following His leadership, giving ourselves to His love. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to you in 2022. Can we just say that together? We give ourselves to you in 2022. Build what you want built. Establish what you want established. Fill what you want filled. And send us where you want to send us for your glory and our good. All for the name of Jesus Christ. We all said amen, amen and amen. Bless you guys.